0: Greetings to all of God's people, this is Mordecai Joseph, we are now in lesson 87, and in the book of Acts, chapter 16, where we continue the story, and we read in chapter 16 and verse 16, Now it happened as we went to prayer. Speaking about Paul, what does it mean as we went to prayer? Look how far we have departed from that, and where we are today, we think, well, that's the way it's been all the time. What do you mean, how do we go to prayer? nowadays they say, well I'm going to church or going to services things like that and then we go over there and we sit down and we have a few songs and we have a little speech and then after that we, we sing one more time and then we have a long sermon and then we sit and we sit and we sit and we don't talk and we don't discuss and we don't uh, participate in the service, generally speaking with the exception of the few songs a totally different concept had developed as time went by and it was not developed by the people of God, but it was developed by the Counterfeit Church, and we continue to this very day in their mold. And here we are as we went to prayer. For the simple reason, the Apostle Paul, we're speaking about the Apostle Paul in this case, he's going to the synagogue. And if he's in Jerusalem, he's going to the temple. And they go there for the hour of prayer where they go to pray to God. They don't go and listen to men, pontificated by the law of God. That was the part of it that came at the end, you know, where there was an an added uh, uh, section uh, After the reading of the law and the prophets, then men spoke about their understanding of of the law, and they explained certain certain things. And if there was a a visitor from out of town, they would ask him, uh, Brother, do you have anything to add to uh, to our knowledge here? Uh, Would you please speak? And that's what they said to Paul now and then, different places, and that's what they said to Jesus Christ when he went to visit certain synagogues. And so, when they go to prayer, it's because that's the way God ordained the service. That this is a part of what is called the divine service. And as Paul said in Romans uh, three, what advantage does the Jew have? Well, much in every way, uh, because of uh, the offices that were committed to him in the divine service and uh, many other things. In other words, God demanded that when we come, we come before Him to worship Him, to praise Him as a congregation. As a body of witnesses and to honor Him and to sing before Him, we don't go there to do our own thing and sit down and listen to a lecture. And yet we got so deeply into that mold because we learned it from others and we went even far beyond that. And uh, now it became uh, to us righteousness. Well, that's the way you do things. Well, that's not the way you do things. If you are in the temple, if you are in the synagogue, if you are a part of the Commonwealth of Israel for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and to this very day, if you are a part of the commonwealth of Israel, that uh, goes to the synagogue. And yet when people depart so far away from uh, the way of God, and uh, the way uh, you do things when you come and appear before him, then you take it for granted, Granted, you know, that's, that's the way it is. That sh- that's the way it should be, and that's righteousness. Anyway, here we read, and uh, you know, pay attention to it when you read these kind of things. And go for the background and uh, search for the context and uh, what it is all about. This way you will find out whether you are standing where you should be or you're going somewhere else. So in verse 16 we read, Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us, and this is the writer of uh, the book of Acts, Luke is recording that, and this is what he's saying, This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, El Elyon. You see, there it is you find it in the New Testament as well as uh, you find this in uh, the entirety of the Hebrew Scriptures. The identity of of the highest deity in heaven and the identity also of the one who is under him and has always been under him, and has been called his messenger now and then, or the Lord of hosts, or the captain of the armies of the hosts of Israel, as he appeared to Joshua, or the messenger of the Lord, the Hebrew word for it, messenger, is angel, Malach, and that's what it means, messenger, and uh, from the beginning of time you see this distinction, and the people of God, who did know God, who had the Spirit of God, who had knowledge and understanding, And even someone did not have the the spirit of God or a lot of knowledge and understanding, like even Hagar, as we mentioned earlier, she knew about the difference between the Most High, with whom man doesn't have personal contact, and the one that is sent by him, who is also the Eternal. and Both are eternal. So, this person, possessed by the demons, making it very plain, that there is a Most High, and then there is the one who is under him, and both are eternal. And the Most High God, El Elyon, is the one that also Abraham was worshipping. Not only the one that was sent by him, with whom he had direct contact all the time, and had lunch with. And this is the one that Moses spoke face to face, that came down to Mount Sinai and married Israel, and came down later on, in the flesh. And so that knowledge has been there from the beginning of time and uh, the people that had eyes to see the wise that were generally very few did always understand that. But unfortunately the majority of the, of the community of Israel lost that understanding and so they had developed that problem of the only one God, uh, reality, not understanding what the Scriptures told them to begin with. They are one in faith, in truth, in doctrine, in purpose, in hope and knowledge, and all that. That's the oneness of God. And so when you read in the New Testament, there is one God, and one Lord, you're speaking about the fact that they are both one, and yet they are two identities, they are two personalities, separate ones. And one is higher than the other. And so this is what this woman, inspired by a demon, saying that. And the demon is speaking rightly here. These are the servants of the Most High God. She didn't say these are... Uh, the Christians who follow Christianity and the head of that uh, religion is Jesus Christ you see this woman the demon that is speaking through this woman knew exactly that the head of the religion is the most high God and therefore the religion is called by his name you see the way the way of the most high the way of God and also the way of Christ since she followed uh, the same way and when you follow the same way, that becomes your way, too. But then you have a plain understanding. And so this is what she is saying. These men are the servants of the Most High, that is, El Elyon. The Most High God, El Elyon. And mind you, at this point there is no such a name as God. I, that word came later, from... Uh, I listened to the English from the German, Gott, And basically what it meant, a deity. But you see, there is a deity, and there is the most high deity, and that's the difference between the two. El Elyon, and he's is called uh, Elohim, It's not called God, it's called Elohim. And then there is the Elohim who is not the most high. He's also called Elohim. And then there are all the false Elohim who are not really Elohim. So Elohim is just a word for a deity. And Elohim is not the name of the deity, it's just a generic name for a deity. And she's saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. You're not saying, Well, these are the ones that proclaim to us Christianity. They're bringing Christianity to us. You see, the demons were smarter. They knew there is no such a thing. So they did not even use that terminology that came later on and then was taken for granted. Now everybody's talking that. <laughs> about Christianity and we are uh, members of Christianity and there is authentic Christianity and there is not true Christianity and so forth. And that's how far we have strayed from the path, from the way of God. And we are so deep into Babylon that does not even dawn on us that an awful lot of our understanding and terminology is still Babylonish and not of God. That's the reason why people always go astray. And so this is what she's Saying here, they come to proclaim to us the way, the way of salvation. And Christ said, I am the way. It is Christianity. I am the way. And the way, that way was revealed from the Most High God, El Elyon. And from the beginning of the, of the book, from Genesis to the end, Revelation. You always read about the way. That's the name of the religion. And verse 18 and this she did for many days. Uh, so she was making life very tough for the Apostle Paul and all those who were around him. And she did it, did it for quite a long time. But anyway, you see the, the knowledge there of uh, people going to the hour of prayer. As you read earlier in uh, chapter 3 and verse 1, where Peter and John are going uh, at the hour of prayer to the temple. They didn't know any other way of doing things. Because that was the way.
1: We have departed
0: from the way, and we have invented our own things, and we have modified, you know, the the, the way in which we walked, which was the way of Babylon. And we, we think, well, that's God's religion. Uh, You never hear anybody saying today, "Well, this is the hour of prayer. Let's go," you know, to uh, to pray before God. We just don't even think that way anymore. And yet, here it is, the Apostle Paul, and all the apostles. And all the men of God, from the beginning of time. And had there been a life today, they would still be going to the hour of prayer. And that's half a way straight from God. And that's what God says. Come out of Babylon. Get back to the way that I have revealed to Israel. And that includes the divine service, how to do things. We've forgotten all of those things and we think that we're doing okay. That's what Paul tells us. He who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. God is not very much pleased with that when people come and do their own thing instead of coming before Him to pray to Him. Anyway, we continue that. Uh, in verse twenty, we read, and they brought them to the magistrates, that is, uh, the, pe- the, the people of that town. As we read in verse nineteen, in other words, they got pretty angry when uh, when uh, Paul uh, rebuked that uh, demon. And so they caught uh, whomever they could catch. You know, took their rage and anger on uh, on Paul and Silas, and they dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. In verse 19, and they brought them to the magistrate and said, "This man, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city." You see, then, so this man being Christians, or well, this man you know being uh, members of Christianity, they knew exactly what they were. And they knew exactly what they were teaching, because they heard about those things. They had synagogues in their midst, and so they knew exactly what they are, they're Jews. They didn't say they're Christians, there's the Apostle Paul and uh, Silas and all the others. That's where they were recognized, and they were recognized by their names, like Nazarenes, or Messianic, that is, followers of the Messiah, and so it came later on uh, to be Christians. Okay, let's go now to uh, chapter 17, where we we'll read reading verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphil- Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went in to them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. What Scriptures is he talking about? The Hebrew Scriptures. And that is his manner, he went to the synagogue. And that is his manner, he went to the hour of prayer. That's what we go to the synagogue for. Not to hear a lecture, but to go and praise God, honor God, sing to God, read His law, study His scriptures, have a discussion of the scriptures among the congregation, and uh, an explanation by the ruler of the synagogue, or a guest speaker, whatever it may be, you know, for a few minutes. But the entirety of the service was to honor and to praise God and to sing to God as David had ordained in the in the temple. And uh, an official uh, divine service took place at that point and then developed a little bit more. And then uh, in the Jewish community, once uh, there was no temple, or even when there was a temple, uh, when people did not all go to the temple, they went to the synagogue in their own town. Obviously, not everybody can go all the way to the temple every every day. But you can go to the synagogue, which is nearby in your town. And that was... a uh, Service of worship to God. In other words, it was a worship service, not a lecture service as we have experienced for many years. And uh, ironically, the Catholic Church is the one that copied the temple service of the synagogue service, and to this very day they are closer than uh, we are. And that's unusual. Anyway, we continue in in, uh, verse 10. And we read in verse 10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night. In other words, he went to the synagogue and he spoke to them, and some of them were not too happy about it. And so there were problems. As we read in verse 5, but the Jews who were not persuaded by the scriptures that uh, Paul was uh, bringing before them, uh, becoming envious. That's where the problem is. When you're envious, you're not even listening. You see? Obviously, you're not going to be persuaded. And that was a major problem the journey was in the Jewish community. Either by the leadership, because of envy, they did not pay attention to what Christ was telling them, not because they did not understand what he was talking about in many ways, they knew the scriptures too. But because of envy, their minds were blinded. They couldn't see. That's exactly what God said through Moses. He's going to do it to his people. And it is, in essence, from God. And he's, because of that said, he's going to some other people and he's going to make his people envy and out of envy he's going to bring them back to himself and that was the process so we're seeing those things being fulfilled and so the the disciples that is Paul and Jason and others were having problem in the synagogue and so it says verse 10, and the brethren immediately sent Paul you see, the brethren, the congregation, the synagogue there and uh, the devout among them and those who believed and those who were persuaded and those who followed that way, they told Paul, better get out of here. So the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And they put them on a boat, sent them over there. You'll be safe there, they told them. And when they arrived there, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. You would think because they had a bad, bad experience in one synagogue, that will be it. Or two or three bad experiences, albeit. No, they continued to go because that was a part of the commission to the Apostle Paul. You continue to go to the children of Israel. Yes, to the nations also, that's the main commission. The emphasis of it, and to kings, but also continue to go to the children of Israel. Because that's the church. In other words, Paul was sent to the church of God, at large. And God was continuing to deal with his own church, his own people, his own life. And those who responded among them, those who were persuaded, those who were not envious... Those who feared him and trembled before his word, well, they followed the way which they did before that, plus a greater understanding of the ultimate purpose and the meaning of that way and the personality that is really behind it. That was dealing with them and now came in the flesh and is going to bring them deliverance and salvation and show the way to salvation. And so that's, that's what you find out there. And so Paul continued to go on this. As soon as he got to Berea, well, that's first that he goes to, the synagogue of the Jews. And uh, in other words, Church of God, people of God. And these were more fair-minded or noble uh, than those in Thessalonica. So this is what Paul was encountering. Some synagogues were hot-headed, were more envious people, and others were not. And God continued to work with his people. And so it was also in the ministry of Jesus Christ All the prophets. It were those people that listened, and others were not, inclined to listen. And he's not writing all of them off, just because some of them were rebel rousers. As Paul would say later on, what if some did not believe? He didn't say, what if, what if all of them didn't believe? Because he knew there were only, in, even in the, the congregation that he went to where there were rebel rousers, generally that there were some of them who were that way, and they were staring their the rest. But most people were more fair-minded. And this is what he encountered here in Berea. This are people of, of God, the wife of God, the church of God, the people of God. Of, obviously now the marriage is dissolved because of the, the death of Christ. And so, yet they are still being the people of God. God is going to continue with them and is intending to marry them. So they're still in that category again. Even though the marriage is not taking place yet. And even though the marriage in essence of the old covenant was an old, finished, but the death of the of the husband, yet God is going to remarry them again. So they remained in that category, but they had to respond. And so here they were firm minded and they responded. And it says they were firm minded and those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word. See, Christ was not sending the apostle Paul to teach Christianity. He sent them to teach the word, the word of Moses, the word of the prophets. By the point of salvation. The scriptures are already new. But what does it mean? What is the ultimate purpose and destiny of it? That they did not. And the way they did not, as they should have known. And so this is the word they went preaching. Not something new. Not a new religion. And so they were willing to receive the word with all readiness and search the scriptures. That's where the word came from. The scriptures. What scriptures? Moses and the prophets. Souls. Writings. Where else? There was nothing else. And so they were searching the Scriptures daily, to find out whether these things were so. And so hopefully those who are listening to this uh, series of, uh, of lessons will do them likewise. Well, obviously if you are firm minded you are going to do it, and if, like some of those that Paul has encountered in some synagogues that were hot-headed and envious, you are not going to. And that's the reality, it's been always like that. Can't expect everybody to be in the same uh, state of mind. But anyway, the word must be preached, one way or the other, and that's the way God has been doing it for thousands of years, from the beginning of time, when He sent His prophets or servants or uh, teachers or whatever it may be. And so this were Jews who were firm minded, and therefore they responded in that manner. And to this very day, we have this kind of people also. They're burians in our midst, and those who are not. Let's go now to uh, chapter 18 and continue the story. And in chapter 18, in verse 1, we read, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them, and so because he was of the same trade, and you would ask us, uh, what do you mean, Paul being of the same trade? Wasn't he a uh, uh, student of Gamaliel and uh, therefore should be so called in the ministry? Before that, that is, ministry to, to Israel, to Judah, and now in the ministry uh, to Jesus Christ. Still, the same God, the same God of Israel, in the same profession. Well, now we, we find out a detail about Paul we didn't know before that, that he was, that he had a profession to support himself. And you don't see Paul saying, now wait a minute, wait a minute now. You're all supposed to be tied to me and uh, God commanded that and if you are not doing it you are thieves and robbers and uh, shouldn't be worried about money and all that. No, you don't see Paul using any of that language that we've heard so much of in the last uh, many years in our experience. Paul makes it very plain. You got a profession. You got to go to work. If God provides for you. You go to somebody's home. He takes care of you. Fine. If not, you got to have something to fall back on. Some people forget that. And so this is what you find out. Because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. In other words, they were tent makers. For by occupation, they were tent makers. We read, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So he didn't say, well. In order to do the work of God, I've got to have money first. If I don't have money, I'm not going to do anything. Now, this is the attitude of some in our midst today, especially among the leaders. So that money can do the work. Well, here it is God was doing an awesome and mighty work, a great work with the Apostle Paul, and money was not the reason that he was doing it. So God took care of his needs, one way or the other, and uh, one of the ways he took care of his needs also, that Paul had a profession, and God said, well, you know what to do. Go do something with your own hands, and then still do the work. They are straight far away from that. And there's only one category today of uh, in the ministry that does that, and that's the deacons or elders who are not supposedly uh, uh, ministers. I just call them elders, local elders. That's an invention of those who want the money, <coughs> want the money for themselves, and do not care much about uh, paying those who are doing the Word, that is, who are busy with the Word of God. Anyway, it's a different issue. And so Paul is working with his own hands and reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath day and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. And what do you mean reasoning in the synagogue? Well, he goes to the hour of prayer, he prays with all the Jews, the same prayer says always prayed, nothing is under the sun, no change. Some people in their blindness and ignorance think that it is a sin to go to the synagogue, because they came out of false religion, Babylonish religion, they've been told all these lies. But now that they have a measure of the knowledge of the truth, they've forgotten the way the apostles were, the prophets. They really do not know the religion of God is the thing they do. And so here it is, he goes to the hour of prayer every time he goes to the synagogue. And after the prayer, after the reading of the law and the prophet, well, now there is an occasion to speak. And that's the way it was, and that's what he did. And that was his manner until the day he died. And his last trip to Jerusalem, the last thing he did is he went to the temple there and sanctified himself and purified himself. Religion of Israel was still the same. There was no change there. And centuries down the road, the Catholic fathers recorded that those people who followed Jesus Christ, the Nazarenes, as they called themselves, that sect, They did everything exactly just like the Jews. The only difference is that they believed in Christ. And yet, you see what the false religion had done to all of us. We went so far away from it that now the religion of God, the service of God, the divine service, is so foreign to us. And therefore, many of us cannot even conceive of ourselves of ever going to the synagogue and praying exactly the way Paul did. Of course, things have changed to to a degree, but still the basics are, are there. And so, we read, He risen in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. In other words, taught them of the word of God. And that's what God wanted him to do. That's what Christ wanted him to do because Christ did not stop going to the synagogue even. In other words, His people were there. So He would be in their midst. The law was being taught. They were praising Him. They were praising El Elyon. Of course, they did not understand that there are two of them. But still they came to praise God, worship God, honor God, sing to God, read His law, study His word. And they were no different than all the generations before that where the prophets went to the temple, the synagogue themselves, and they were with the people of God. And so this is what Paul is doing here. And then verse 5 we read, When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit, speaking about Jesus Christ, and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Moshiach. Uh, but when they opposed him and blasphemed, again, you know, he's encountering rebel rousers here in this synagogue, didn't encounter them everywhere. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your heads. That is, in this particular place. I'm clean, from now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Now, did he say about that? Well, from now on, forget all about you. You know, God has forgotten all about you. He's not going to do anything among you. You are no longer the people of God. That's not what he's saying here. He's speaking to a particular group. So if you don't want me to speak to you, okay, I'm going somewhere else. Verse 7, As he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue, say the very synagogue from which they threw him out, he... uh well, he still continued to to go to the synagogue. And as we read in verse 8, Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. And so the synagogue goes on, in a different configuration. Now, there's no rejection here of the people of God. It's just the rebel rousers among them. I want to hear the word of God. God says, well, that's what he told the disciples. When he sent them the first time, you go into a certain uh, town, you preach the word, And if they don't like to hear it, well, they shake the dust off your feet and go to another town. They didn't say, hey, just forget all about all of them. And that's exactly what is happening here. And people who do not have the background, do not read the whole story, get confused and mixed up. That's why, again, you know, the the replacement theology came about, but, you know, by by those who are unlearned and ignorant and do not understand it. And unfortunately, many of us feel the same way. And yet that was not the way of God. Anyway, let's go to verse 19. We read, and he came to Ephesus and left them there. So I'm afraid the disciples that were with him. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. You see? He still goes to the synagogue. So if you don't read the whole story, you get the impression, well, that's it. God was going to give up on the Jews. And that's where the Gentiles were ignorant and blind and did not understand and were unlearned and created a false religion, counterfeit religion. That's exactly what they were saying. They pick up on a certain scripture and say, aha, you see, this is what it is read the whole story. You know, be wise, don't be a fool. The person that doesn't consider the whole matter and speaks, he's a fool. And that's what they are, and we should not be that kind of fools. And so Paul continues to go to the synagogue wherever he went. But whenever there were people who were giving him a hard time, well, he did exactly what Christ told all the disciples to do. Shake the dust off your feet and go somewhere else. Go to another synagogue. And so he came to Ephesus, and this is what he did. First thing he does, he goes to the synagogue. He prays with everybody else, same prayer, that has been always in the synagogue, which was a copy of what the temple was, minus the sacrifices and other rituals related to it. And after that, he risen with them. And when they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent. Well, he had to go somewhere else, and that's what he told them. Verse 21, But he took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast. In Jerusalem, you see, there's no separation there. There's no new church. There's no new group. There's no uh, total new religion. He still goes to the synagogue and prays. He still goes to the temple and prays. He still goes to the feast there in Jerusalem. And so did all the apostles and so did all the disciples. Minus the ones that came from the Gentiles who could not go to the temple or the regular synagogue of the Jews. They could go outside but they couldn't go inside if they were not circumcised. But the religion never changed. It was still the same religion. This is the faith that Jude talks about. To return to the faith that was delivered. And he's not talking about a new faith that came on the scene in the days of Christ, because Christ never preached a new religion. He made it very plain. I didn't come to destroy the law of the prophets. That's the religion of Israel that God gave them. That's the way. He said, I came to magnify. And So this is what he does. He goes to, uh, to Jerusalem to keep the feast with all the other Jews. You see? And all those who believed in Christ. And all those who were attending the temple who were believers in Christ. There were many, many thousands of them, including many thousands of the priests. And if you don't read the whole story, and you read the the history of the Church of God from the point of view of the counterfeit churches, you get a totally different picture. That's the reason why so many of us are mixed up. We don't even know what the laws of God are, and what we should keep, what we should not, and what day we should keep, now everything else. God says, come out of Babylon because there is too much of that so the past 2,000 years still in us. And then we read in uh, in verse uh, 24, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born of Ale- Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, again, of Moses, prophets, sons, and he came to Ephesus, and this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, the way of the Adon, that is, Speaking about Jesus Christ in the way, you see, that's the way. It's not Christianity, it's in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught ac- accurately the things of the Lord, the things that Jesus Christ spoke. Though he knew only the baptism of John, because he was not on the scene in, in Israel, and you know, the Pentecost uh, that came there where the Holy Spirit was given uh, was not an experience that was known to many, yet, who believed in him. Because they came to the feast in Jerusalem and uh, and uh, heard a lot of those things, and so this man comes here to Ephesus in verse twenty six. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Where else would he preach? The way of the Lord, because this are the people of God. That's the wife of God. This is the church of God. You see, even though now they are sort of in a, in a transition period uh, because of the death of Jesus Christ, and yet since he's going to remarry them. And this is his bride. Well, the bride is already considered a wife. And even though all of them are not converted yet, it's just a matter of time they will be. And uh, that's exactly what, what is happening here. You know, I had to read the whole story and see it properly from God's point of view. And so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Aquila and Priscilla heard him. They took him aside and explained to him the way of Elohim. You see, not Christianity. I knew better. The way of Elohim, the way of God, more accurately. And what is the way of God? The one that has always been from the beginning of time. And now we became known since Sinai, the, you know, Israel, the way of Israel. The religion of Israel. There is no other religion. There has been no other religion since that time. There is no new, you know, new church, new doctrine, new, new, you know, theology. It's all the same theology with a magnified understanding. More spiritual. And so that's exactly what was happening here. And this is what they, what they explain to him. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, that is from Paulus, go to other synagogues and preach there the way of God, and the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, that is, in the synagogue. And so the brethren everywhere did not think of themselves as being a members of a new religion. So they said, well, we're going to have our own places." They all continued to go to the synagogue wherever they were. And some of them believed and some did not. But they were all people of God. They all knew it. And so they sent him over there. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who believed through grace. Grace that was given to, uh, by, to them by God to understand better what they have known all their lives. Verse 28, for he vigorously refuted the Jews Publicly. In other words, when they were contradicting, showing from the Scriptures, from Moses, from the prophets, that Jesus is the Christ, you see, in the synagogue, to the Jews who were willing to listen, and others did not, so they were having an argument back and forth. That's what Paul was doing throughout all of his ministry. And he was not about to be a founder of a new religion called Christianity. All those lies came later on, and we've taken them for granted, and we don't realize how deeply we're still into it. Now let's go to uh, chapter 19 and verse 1, And it happened, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, in other words, members of the community of Israel, who believed, who understood, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? In other words, when he came to this knowledge and understanding of, uh, of, uh, of the God of Israel coming in the flesh and the way of salvation, did you receive the Holy Spirit? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is the Holy Spirit. You see that they, they were not in contact with Israel, with Jerusalem, with uh, what happened on Pentecost. So they did not know about it, So they knew what Christ said, that he's going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit. But they haven't heard that it happened already. And he said to them, And to what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Well, that the whole community knew, worldwide. But about the coming of the Holy Spirit, apparently that knowledge didn't filter all around yet. And so in verse 4 we read, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, that is, Christ Jesus, or the anointed uh, Savior. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, so they had done Yeshua, in other words. In other words, they understood the baptism of John just led them to repentance, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit that was something that was to come later. And so it's not that the first one was not valid, it's not a question of validity, the question of the first one did not deal at all with the with the reception of the Holy Spirit. And so now when they had a greater understanding of what Paul was talking about and uh, the process, how to become begotten sons of the Father, the El Elion, well, they were baptized again, and not again in that sense, they were baptized, and they received, uh, obviously, the Holy Spirit. In verse 6 we read, and when Paul, you see, they were baptized now in the name of the Lord Jesus, and not only John's baptism, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied, just like it happened in, uh, in the temple on the day of Pentecost. And now there were, uh, the men were about twelve in all. And these were Jews, the Jewish community in the synagogue, that believed and understood and comprehended. And so we read in verse 8, And he went into the synagogue, Again, you see, the religion is the same. The people are the same. This is the people of God. This is the wife of God. Paul never understood it any other way. He didn't think that he was coming and establishing a new religion. You see? All the things came later on. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three, mo- uh, three months. Imagine that. Every week, every, every Shabbat, every Sabbath, he went to the synagogue. He prayed with everybody else. And he... Uh, Sang songs with everybody else and honored God and worshiped God and read the law like everybody else and, and uh, studied the prophets with them and discussed things with them. That was, the, you know, <laughs> being in the midst of the people of God. This is the church of God. And then the ones that responded, well, God gave them the Holy Spirit. And all uh, the Gentiles that came to the synagogue who were outside, If they, they wanted to know more and understand more and commit themselves. Well, they too were added and being grafted into that synagogue, into that community. And there were places where the, uh, most of the, the brethren in the synagogue were obedient and faithful, and therefore the Gentiles came and worshipped in the synagogue. You know, when when they when they were allowed by people who were fair-minded. In other places, some uh, some Jews made an exception, uh, took an exception to that; they didn't want them in, and uh, there were problems. And that's the way it was in in the ministry of uh, the apostle Paul, as a minister to the people of God in the synagogue, and. Uh, The separation between the two groups came later on, where he was in certain areas where there was total disagreement. Because some people just uh, would not uh, allow him to do anything unless the Gentiles were out. And so that's what he was doing. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Elohim. The kingdom that was coming to be restored in Israel, to Israel. That's what the disciples were talking about, the apostles. Well that's Jesus Christ. So all these people in the synagogue knew all about the kingdom of God. They knew what the prophets were saying, they knew about the end time prophecies. They knew about the restoration of Israel. They knew about the resurrection of the tabernacle of David and the kingdom that will be there as it was before when God will come and dwell in their midst. They knew what Ezekiel and Isaiah and all those spoke about the restoration of the temple, and God sitting in the temple, in their meats and all the sacrifices restored. All that knowledge was there. You see, that's the religion of Israel. And that religion continues. And this is what Paul is preaching wherever he goes. And there is no such a thing as Christianity. There is no new religion. No new doctrines. It's all magnification of the doctrines that were already there. And that's why he's constantly appealing to the scriptures, to the prophets, to Moses, to teach the people of God Uh, a better understanding, to give them a better understanding of what they have known all along. To open their eyes, to comprehend the fullness of it. That even the prophets themselves, when they prophesied, sometimes they did not understand what they were prophesying. They did not comprehend the details. Well now, the details were being manifested to the people of Israel. And so, it continued. And yet, uh, those who listened, uh, they continued in that faith. In a greater knowledge and understanding, received the Holy Spirit, but others did not. So we read in verse 9, But when some were hardened, some, you see, as Paul would say, what if some didn't believe? Well, when you read about some, you realize that the majority didn't understand and believe and comprehend and became followers uh, of of the God that came and dwelt in their midst. Not followers of a new religion. So some hardened their hearts and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude. You see, not of Christianity, but over the way. The way that was always there, that had always been understood and practiced. And people walked in that way, the way of God, the way of Israel, the way of the prophets and Moses. And so they spoke evil of the way before the multitude. And the way here is some people, uh, because of their ignorance, unlearned, they think, well, the way is speaking about a new religion. There's no new religion here. That's what David says, blessed and happy is uh, the man who, who, you know, who walks in the way. That's the way of God. And so they spoke evil all the way before the multitude. And he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Uranus. What does it mean? What it meant is that in that particular place, because there were those rebel rousers, so to speak, who hardened their hearts, and obviously they couldn't live in peace together, And he could not continue in the synagogue because, you know, they were poisoning the minds of others. Well, obviously he needed to go and have another synagogue. Go to another synagogue. And that's what he did. School of tyrannus that's basically what it was. A synagogue. It was uh, another place where they could meet and continue to teach the law of Moses and the law of the prophets. And the law of uh, the disciples. that Christ gave later on with a magnification of it. The same old religion, so to speak, with a greater understanding magnification of it. And all these things became known later on by people who did not comprehend and understand as they should. Uh, they, they called it New Testament. It's not New Testament, it's the same way, magnified. being made more understandable. You see, well the light goes on and you begin to understand and comprehend what you've been reading all this time, and believing all this time. And there's no such a thing as Old Testament religion, New Testament religion. It's one religion. There's no new religion, there's no Christianity, there are no two gods, there are no two Bibles. One for the Jews, one for all the Christians. See, this is the rebel rousers on both sides. You know, hardened their hearts against the truth, against the way, against the life, against the word of, of God that was given from the beginning of time. They are the ones that created all this confusion. And to this very day, many of us are part and parcel of that at least to a degree. And God commanded us, come out of it. It's all confusion. See? And that's what we're dealing with here today, and that's the reason why, why uh, this time uh, this, uh, you know, there is a necessity to, to illuminate the eyes of people who have been uh, in confusion all their lives, thinking that they had known better. And then, in verse 19, we continue, also, many of those who had practiced magic, brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, in other words, when it came to Ephesus, uh, he did uh, many things there in the name of uh, of God and even signs and wonders. And there was uh, the story of the sons of uh, of Siva in verse 14 who were trying to cast a demon and yet they were not really servants of uh, of Jesus Christ, of God, of the God of Israel. As they should have been. And you know the story there. You can read it there. But anyway, people were impressed with that, with, uh, with that fact that uh, the demon said, Well, I know Paul. And I know Jesus, but who are you? And so we see a reaction there. And so in verse uh, 19 we read, or verse 18, many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. And also many of those, in verse 19, who had practiced magic, brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them and a total of 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew and mightily uh, prevailed. See, it's the word of the Lord, the same word that came from the beginning of time. It's not Christianity, it's not a new religion. It was the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord is what he spoke through uh, the prophets, through Moses, through David. And this is what was being preached in the synagogue. And people knew about those things, but those who hardened their hearts, well, they went their own way. And then in verse 21, Paul tells him that he he is going to Jerusalem, and that was the center of uh, the religion of God. And this is where you went. Anyway, we're going to stop now. This is uh, Mordeca Joseph saying greetings to all of God's people. Until next time. The preceding message was taken from the worldwide website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible Study. You have questions? The Bible.